Billy Graham said this one time. He said, if a person gets his attitude toward money straightened out, then almost all other areas of his life will be straightened out. There's a lot of truth to that. And when you get a hold of money and you understand money's purpose, you understand money uh, and how to handle it in your life, um, a lot of other things just kind of line up in life. And uh, uh, a lot of people spend a lot of their life just simply trying to gain money, trying to gain more of it, or gain an understanding of it, or gain control of it in their life. And so what he said is true, that if you can get your attitude towards it straightened out, what I mean is think about it the way the Word of God says to think about it, how God thinks about it, a lot of other things in life just kind of come together. And uh, so what we're going to talk about tonight is our attitude toward money. Everybody, anybody got an attitude right now because I said that? No? All right. <laughs> so I'm going to learn. Amen. Our attitude towards money. Jesus tells a story uh, in Luke chapter 18. You don't need to turn there, but I'm just going to uh, paraphrase it. And I, I want you to think of these words, all right? Everybody say, I'm ready. All right. Are you the master or are you the slave? Are you the master or are you the slave? The story is about a young, rich Jewish ruler who came up to Jesus and he asked him, how can I inherit eternal life? How many of you know you don't do anything to inherit something? There's a problem right there, isn't it? How do I inherit eternal life? Well, you don't do anything to inherit something. (laughs) And praise God, isn't eternal life, how do we get it? It's a free gift. Amen. We receive it because of what Jesus has done for us. But the question that he had is, how do I inherit eternal life? And so Jesus responds, and he begins sharing with him uh, the various Ten Commandments, if you might remember. He, he started saying, honor your father and your mother, and, and, and so on. Put God first. And, and, and he started rattling off the uh, various Ten Commandments and the young man, when he was done, said, well, Jesus, I've done all these things from my youth. In other words, I've lived this life. And Jesus' response was, well, there's one thing you lack. There's one thing you lack. I want you to sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the young man was, the Bible says, was sorrowful. He was not happy with that response. And he, he went away sorrowfully. And Jesus responded real quickly about that and said how hard it was for a rich man to uh, be a part of the kingdom of God. And there's something I want us to think about. Remember my, my, my comment earlier, are you a master or are you a slave? Well, in the conversation, if you skip on down some, Peter he, he kind of said, well, how hard is it for someone? You know, Jesus said, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. And, and, and it is harder, and we're going to explain why. Well, then a little bit later, Peter pipes up. And how many know Peter always pipes up? And he pipes up, but Master, we've left all and followed you. And Jesus responded to that by saying, listen, any of you, and I'm again paraphrasing, any of you that have left mothers and brothers and fathers and sisters and homes and so on and so forth for the kingdom of God, in other words, for the purpose of serving the gospel, that you're going to gain 
that and much more in this lifetime and also eternal life. Now, there's something here that I want to talk about, and it's again, everybody say it with me. Am I the master or am I the slave? So I want you to think about that for a minute. The young man that approached Jesus, I do believe loved God. I do believe that. I believe that he wanted to do the right thing. However, money had a hold of his heart. In other words, money was a master to him, not a slave. And see, I want us to see that in our attitude towards money. Money was his master. In other words, he loved his money more than he loved God. More than his allegiance to God. And that's why he was sorrowful. Now, you might look at Jesus' response to him and say, well, what Jesus is saying is if we're going to serve him, (laughs) you need to sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and that's how you inherit eternal life, and then you go follow Jesus. And that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was talking to this young man. And the young man had a problem in his life. He had done what he knew to do according to the law. He had followed the Ten Commandments, but he had a problem. And that is, he loved money more than his allegiance to God. And so Jesus was trying to point something out to the young man. He was trying to help the young man. He was trying to set him free when he told him or challenged him to sell all that he had. Now that would seem a lot to someone who really likes money. Sell all that you have and then come and follow me. And these things will work out. Jesus was trying to set him free. Trying to get the young man to see the bondage he was in. That he was a slave to money and not the master of his money. And see, we need to ask ourselves in life, are we the master or are we the slave? Well, in this particular case, Jesus, again, was trying to help the young man. He's trying to set him free. Now, Peter, just a few moments later, piped up. Remember when I told you? And he said, but master, we've given all. In other words, he just told the young man to do that, didn't he? And he said, we've given everything to follow you. And what was Jesus' response? Jesus said that if you've done these things, you're going to be blessed in this lifetime and with eternal life. In other words, Jesus didn't say to serve God, we can't have money. Jesus said just the opposite. He said if we lay our life down to serve God, we would have greater than what we started with in this lifetime and in the lifetime to come, or eternal life. So in other words, Jesus wasn't saying we all need to give everything up, but what he is saying is this, that if you're going to serve God, then money needs to be put in its place in your life. It needs to be a slave to you, not a master. Remember Jesus said that you can't serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and be loyal to the other, You can't serve God and money. You can't do it. It won't work. Because when something is required of you, 
when something God, God requires something of you, and He will, then you're going to have to make a choice. And if you love money more than God, what choice are you going to make? It's obvious. You're not going to go the right way. Now, all of us have been challenged in our lifetime with a choice like that. And it's so easy for us to say, oh, I would always go God's way. But can I ask you a question? What if the Lord told you, sell every single thing that you have, give it to the poor, and trust me and just follow me? How would you react to that? Now, for someone who doesn't really have anything, it might be easy to answer. <laughs> but how many of you know, as we've gotten older and we've been blessed, we got more stuff. I got a whole lot more stuff than I had at one time. And so the more stuff I have, and what we would call building bigger barns, in other words, storing more stuff, it might be harder to answer that than it would be for someone who doesn't really have much of anything. You know, they don't really have, oh yeah, I would easily follow God. Well, that's because you've got nothing to start with. But I'm saying, let's say, you know, in your position right now, for most of you, the Lord puts you in a position of sell everything that you have. And, you know, the Lord has done that to a couple people. I mean, I've read a few stories of where the Lord told them, sell every single thing that you have, give it to the poor, and come trust me, follow me. And, wow, now... Am I telling you, the Lord is telling you to go sell everything you have and give it? No, I'm not telling you that at all. I'm not even implying it. What I am saying is, think about what you would do. What about that favorite thing you have? Maybe a favorite vehicle or a favorite object or a favorite piece of jewelry. or It could be any number of things. And sometimes we can be with the Lord. Well, Lord, you can have everything, but I'm not even going to discuss that. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to touch it, you know. That's mine. In other words, I'm not even going to bring it up in a conversation because maybe you'll forget about it, you know. And I'm being honest. There are some things we might say, sorry, Lord, you can't have that. And you don't bring it up in prayer. You don't talk about it because, again, you're hoping he won't bring it up, you know. Well, that might be an issue for you. That might be the thing in your life that you are a slave to and not the master over. We all understand what I'm talking about. There can be those few things. It could be that nest egg. It could be that favorite, like I said, this or that. It could be something that is precious to you that you don't want to let go of. So, again, I'm asking in, in your life, when it comes to possessions, when it comes to money, are you the master or are you the slave? Look with me in your Bibles real quickly to Luke chapter 12. I just want to look at a couple of verses tonight. But this one came to me. Luke chapter 12, verses 15. Or verse 15. Luke 12, verse 15. Jesus speaking. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Now let's stop right there. Take heed. Everybody say it with me. Take heed. And beware, beware of covetousness. Now, Jesus doesn't waste words. He's directed by the Spirit of God. He, he listens and he follows his Spirit. And the Spirit of God led Jesus to say this. Take heed and beware of covetousness. Now, 
if Jesus tells us to take heed and beware of something, what does that tell us? That the thing that he's telling us to take heed and beware of may, if we're not paying attention, wrap itself around us kind of like a snake, real slick-like. And he comes and he wraps himself around us and he slowly does it. He doesn't put any pressure yet until he's wrapped around you real good. Then he puts pressure on you. And see, take heed and beware. That tells me, be alert. He's saying, this is serious. Pay attention, take heed, and beware. Be conscious, be alert of covetousness. Because it can sneak on any of us. And all of a sudden we're there. And the thing about covetousness, it gets in our heart. And when it gets in our heart, it becomes like that young man was who made a wrong, poor decision. Why? Because he was the slave and not the master. And so we need to consider this. Take heed, beware. So look with me. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life, does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. I want to say something, and I want everybody to understand this. God is not against our having riches. Too much of the Word of God is dedicated to showing what God desires for us when it comes to wealth and riches. Listen to me. God doesn't care if you are filthy rich, if you can be filthy rich. You know, I don't think, you know, we, we associate the word filthy and rich. Get that? It's in our head. You can only be filthy and rich. How many know I can be rich and be clean? <laughs> in other words, I can be right. It doesn't have to be perverted. It doesn't have to be messed up. I can be the wealthiest person on the planet and serve God and honor God. In fact, that's the way it should be. Shouldn't the richest people on this earth be Christians? The richest ones. Now, there's nothing wrong with being rich. The Bible says that God made Abraham very rich. Everybody say very rich. We've said this before. How many know very rich tops rich? You're very rich. In other words, he was wealthy, guys, super wealthy. But he was always the master and never the slave. He was always master over the riches, never the slave. But th this is what Jesus is saying here. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. God has no problem with you being mega wealthy, super wealthy, he has no problem with that. What he has a problem with is covetousness. He doesn't want you covetous. He doesn't want you focused on possessions. Life is more than possessions. We talked about this when we talked about stewardship. Remember, you came into this world naked and with nothing, and how are you leaving? Naked and with nothing. In other words, no matter how many possessions you might have and surround yourself, it's staying no matter what. You can't FedEx it on ahead of you. There's no way it's going to happen. It is not leaving this earth. So in other words, life is more than possessions. In fact, it was so important with God regarding covetousness 
that he put it in the Ten Commandments. And how many know he picked the ten biggest things? In other words, the things that would cover life, right? When he made the Ten Commandments, he pretty much covered life. I mean, if you did these things in these Ten Commandments and didn't break them, you're doing good, you know? Now, none of us could, are, are capable of doing that. That's why we needed Jesus. But the fact is this, that the Tenth Commandment, I believe, is thou shalt not covet. Covet. It's important to God. And there's a reason for that. The reason is covetousness gets between us and the Lord. It does what it did with that young man who walked away sorrowfully. Because you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. There's no in-between. And so covetousness is very important. The dictionary definition of the word, if you want to write this down, is a person marked by a strong desire for wealth, a person marked by a strong desire for wealth or possessions or for another's possessions, someone else's stuff. A person marked by a strong desire, that's lust. That's what a strong desire is. Every time you hear the word lust, most people think dirty. They think sex and things like that. The word lust just means strong desire. Man, you can lust for Twinkies. Okay? In other words, you can lust for anything. You know? You can lust for those peeps at Easter. It's just a strong desire. Well, this is a strong desire for wealth or possessions or for another's possessions, something they have. Here's some words that describe it. I just want to feed your mind with some different ways of looking at it. Greed, materialism, gluttonous or gluttony. What does gluttony mean? I can't get enough. I got to have more. I got to have more. I got to have more. Envious, jealousy, These are all things associated with covetousness. They're not godly characteristics, are they? Not even close. Coveting more of something or desiring something that belongs to someone else gets into their heart. And that's where it becomes a problem. Listen to me carefully. Their priorities and morals and focus in life get all messed up. When someone gets covetousness in their heart, they're, they're, they're struggling with that. Again, ma- money has become a master and not a slave anymore. Their priorities, their morals, their focus in life gets skewed. I remember years ago, the Lord just brought this up to me. Years ago, I belonged to a church, uh, and my, my, the pastor at the time um, the Lord began to deal with him about the subject of prosperity. And he said, you know, you have gotten into people's beds that were dying and talked them out of dying and getting healed. And yet, a lot of your congregation, the sheep that you have, are broke. They're poor and not able to do what I've called them to do. And the Lord was instructing him, you need to take some serious time and teach them what the Bible says about prosperity. At the time, he said, I had about four messages, (laughs) he said, on prosperity. And uh, they were well-used messages. And so he began to teach. And what he did was, we had a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and a Wednesday night. And he took Sunday night. 
And every Sunday night for two years, everybody say two years. That's a long time. Two years he taught on prosperity. And God would give him a new word every single Sunday night. And we would take a third offering up on that Sunday night. And a lot of the times what we would do with that was we would give it away to some other ministry or some other thing going on. Why were we doing that? We were sowing seed out there. Well, I remember on those Sunday nights, and remember, this is the third offering, and we would have a literal second offering in here. So we had a Sunday morning and a normal offering, a Sunday night, normal offering, because the whole church had to run, everything had to function. And then he would do another offering after he would minister on prosperity. Well, by that time, I remember when we first were starting, the majority of the congregation was swapping quarters. I mean, you know, maybe a buck if you were doing really well. But week after week after week after week after week after week after week of hearing, how does faith come? By hearing. So we were acting on the word. We were doers of what we were hearing. And we acted and da-da-da-da-da. It wasn't long before we, weren't, we were giving away money. People would bring extra money and then hold it up if anybody needed an offering. Until tens were passed and twenties were passed and hundreds. We paid off buildings. We did all kinds of massive things out of that third offering. You'd think everybody would be tapped out by then. And yet that was some, sometimes the biggest offering. And, you know, the, the, but see, God was blessing. We were growing and we were learning about money's place in our life and how we can be a greater blessing. You follow what I'm saying? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. God has a lot to say about that. God wants us blessed, but he also wants it put in its proper place in our life. Everybody say, don't love money. <laughs> you shouldn't love money. Amen. I don't love money. Now, money is a, a good thing to have. How many of you like to have money on you? It's a lot better to not have any money. Listen, I've been doing really well, and I've been doing not so well. Doing really well is better. <laughs> I will argue that point with anybody. Pierre Chiron said this, Riches should be admitted into our houses, but not in our hearts. We may take them into our possession, but not into our affections. I want to say that again. I want you to listen closely. Because don't think about just money. Think about anything you like. I mean, there, there are women out there who are, who are uh, purse addicts. And man, some of these purses now, man, some of this stuff, I, I'm trying to think of one of the brand names my wife will bring up occasionally. Man, we're talking $300 for a purse. I'm thinking, that's awesome. Take $350 out of the account to buy a $325 purse to put $25 into it. <laughs> that makes no sense, you know? Listen, let me, let me say that quote again. Riches should be admitted into our houses. It's okay to be in our houses, in our homes, in our accounts, but not into our hearts. We may take them into our possession, but not into our affections. Somebody said this one time, it's worth writing down if you want to, that if you can't give it away, it owns you. Many of you have heard variations of that. But if you can't give it away, it owns you. Is there something in your life that you just couldn't give away? You just 
couldn't see yourself. If the Lord asked you, you'd have a real problem with that. Well, then you need to evaluate the importance of that in your life. Again, it comes back to this. Are you a master or are you a slave? I'll be honest with you. I don't know if there's anything in my life, uh, and I'm being honest now. I'm not saying that, that, that I, 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 I couldn't slip up, but I don't believe there's anything in my life that the Lord told me to give it away. I wouldn't do it. Now, I remember a time in my life that would have been easier said than done. In other words, I could have said those words, but it might have been a bigger challenge. But if the Lord told me, like I have this really nice TV, it's a big old monster, it's really nice, and I remember, you know, Dad bought it, man, I, was, I, I, I put a lot of effort into learning about certain things, and that's the one I wanted, and, and I went and got it and put it up, and I like that TV. Conchetta, is it a nice TV? It's a big TV. I mean, it's a nice TV. Now, I would love bigger, but I'm not going to make an issue of it in my life. I'm not going to, like, give up certain things for a TV. But if you're going to watch something, you might as well watch it in style, right? Not sit there. I remember the day when I was looking at black and white that big, and it was all half fuzzy. You know, you could read the bottom half but not the top, or if you hit it real good, it was switched. You, got, you all know what I'm talking about back in the day, you know? I mean, you know, how you change the channel, whack, <laughs> real hard, and then you did this and did that, and then maybe it worked, you know? I mean, nowadays, it's glorious. I mean, you know, but the point is, if the Lord said, I want you to give that away, I wouldn't have any problem with it. I mean, that doesn't necessarily, of course, I have the ability, I could turn around, praise God that I'm blessed enough that I could just replace it if I wanted to, but if the Lord told me, I want you to take two weeks. I want you to cool your jets on it. You've been watching too much. So when you give that away, I want you to fast it for a while. I believe I could do it. I'm not saying it would be easy. But, you know, I mean, the point is, is that I believe I could do it. But I could give away anything. There's something about the ability to say, you know what? I'm God's steward. And the things that I possess, I'm just the keeper of. Praise God that I got them in my life, but if someone else needs them, then more power to them. There's some freedom there, guys, and not everybody's there. See, again, it comes back to, are you a master or are you a slave? The Word of God tells us to not love money, but be satisfied with what we have. That doesn't mean people take that and say, see, you shouldn't have things. What is being satisfied with what you have how does that say you shouldn't have things? It just means you shouldn't be constantly wanting better. Do you ever buy something and then two weeks later you find out the new version came out? And you're like, it was the same money. And so I could have that one. And you're, now you're obsessed. Your obsession went from this to that. You know? And I'm one of these guys in the natural that could get easily obsessed about things. I'm going to be honest. That's me. I mean, that's why I stay away from a lot of things. There are a lot of things in life I just don't do. I don't get involved in. Why? Because I would go overboard. That's my personality. That's, I know me. And I know I would go nuts. I, it wouldn't be enough for me. And so... I just back away from some things. I just stay away from it because I know myself. You know, I know who I am. And I know me that like the TV thing, I obsess. And what I mean is obsess, I got to look up every spec. I'll drive my wife nuts 
checking this out and doing this and doing that and doing this. And usually I'm very happy with my purchases, but if it's a bigger item like that, it just drives her crazy. She's like, just go in there and buy it. They're all the same. It's just a TV. How dare you say that? It's like a guy saying, it's just a truck, you know. Yeah, you don't know nothing. It's just a lawn tractor. Oh, my gosh. You know, no, it's not just any of those things, you know. It's just a purse. Bam. (laughs) It is not, you know. has to be whatever. And I'm thinking, again, still 20 bucks in it. Why does it have to? I mean, I don't have a $900 wallet. <laughs> All right, I'll get off that train. Listen, write this down Ecclesiastes 5:10. Just write it down. This is the New Living Translation and I, I love this. It says those who love money, those who love money will never have enough. Those who love money will never have enough. And it says how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. You know, I've had times where I've had extreme blessing. And what I mean is extreme blessing. I mean, and, and had so much money available to me at a time. And I'm thinking, so? In other words, I remember, though, being broke, dreaming about having something and thinking, man, it would be wonderful to have blankety blank. And then I've been on the other side of it. And guess what? It might bring temporary moment of happiness but it doesn't bring long-term anything it's just money it's just whatever you know and and that's a problem with some people their view of money the way they see it they put too much stock and security in money i don't care who you are if you put your uh faith in the security of money you may be really surprised someday. Remember, anybody here old enough to remember Black Monday? Anybody? Back in about 1987, the stock market crashed and people just lost everything. Everything. It just one swoop, just like that. So Sunday, they were happy as could be. After all, look at my security. Look at my barns. I'm covered. Remember Jesus said, remember he talked to the, the barn guy, remember? And he said, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. In other words, you put your faith in God. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is faithful. Amen? He's more faithful than the sun rising tomorrow. And how many know the sun will rise tomorrow? And he is more faithful than that. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm never going to put my faith and money. But the fact is, there are many people who do. And boy, I tell you what, how many know this? Money comes and money goes. But Jesus is always there. Amen? And you can't always control it. Edmund Burke said this. Listen closely. If we command our wealth, if we command our wealth, we shall be rich and free. If we're in control... If we're the master over our wealth, we shall be rich and free. If our wealth commands us, we are poor indeed. You're already broke. You'd be the wealthiest person in the world. But if money owns you, you're already broke. All right. Everybody say this with me. Money 
is not evil. Look with me at one last, well, actually, one more scripture. Actually, I want you to go there and I want you to stay there. So keep your finger there. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to look at a couple scriptures there. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And keep your finger there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, let's look at verse 10. For the love of money, everybody say the love of money. I want you to see that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. There's so many people that misquote that. Money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some, look at the scripture, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, their covetousness, greediness. And because of that, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, why did they have these sorrows? Because of greed, because of the love of money. That's the problem. Money is not a problem. The love of money is the problem. Money is a tool, nothing more, nothing less. Money, everybody say it with me, money is a tool. It's, it's a tool to be used. It's just however you decide to use that tool. If you make it in your mind and in your heart, it's just a tool. It means nothing more to me than that. Then you got your heart in the right place. It's just a tool, a means to an end. It, may, it, it helps me accomplish something. Money has a purpose in our lives, and it is to fulfill God's plan on the earth. If you want to write down Deuteronomy 8.18, we went over that. You might remember. You shall remember that the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. Why does He do that? Why does God give us the power to get wealth? To establish His covenant in the earth. His covenant promise. What does God want to do? What is God about? God is about reaching people. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. What is He after? He wants to reach people. He wants to help people. He wants to bless people. And so what we want to do is be a good steward of God put in our hands and use it and ask Him, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Where do you want it to go? Right? And as we do that and as we honor Him, If he finds someone that respects him, that honors him, that puts money in its right place and obeys him, remember, the willing and obedient. The willing and not just the willing. There's a lot of people that are willing, but it's different than obedience. But if you are willing and obedient, what does the Bible say? You're going to eat the good of the land. In other words, God can use you to bless others. he See, God himself wants to do things in the earth, but he has to go through us. And I'm telling you what, there's times I've seen sinners more generous than I've seen Christians. I'm serious. I've seen some of them that were very generous. And that's sad that a sinner would outdo a Christian. Amen? We see, and, and we look at where we're at and say, well, that's all I got or that's all I can do. Well, that's because of your thinking. If you would be a good steward of what God put in your hands and obey Him, He's going to put more there. He's going to honor that good steward. Remember the Bible says what? Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your income. And what does the Bible say? 
that your barns are going to overflow, your vats are going to overflow. What does that mean? I don't have a barn and I don't have a vat. But I got a checking account, I got bank accounts, savings accounts, you know what I'm saying? All kinds of different accounts. Well, God can bless and add to me. Now, what I do with it from there is up to me. But if I'll say, you know what, Lord, I appreciate this. I'm going to tithe and honor you. I'm going to give an offering. I'm going to take some of it and put it over here um, to do what I know to do with it. And then I'm going to ask you, Lord, what would you like me to do with this leftover stuff? What would you like me to do with it? He might say, give it here. Or he might tell you, go buy yourself a new car. Don't always think, if I ask the Lord, what do you want me to do with these finances, the first thing he's going to do is say, give it away. See, that's, that's messed up thinking. That's why you don't ask him. You don't want to hear. Because he might tell you to give it away. But you might be surprised. He might say, you know what, son? You need to go shopping and get yourself some new clothes. Go to a good store. You know, nice store. Get something. You understand what I'm saying? I said, well, I can go to the dollar store. I can make that $100 go 100 items. 100 cheap items, you know. Some of you would be shocked and overwhelmed if you went and spent $100 on a shirt. I can hear some of your thoughts right now. 100 bucks on one shirt? Are you out of your skull? Why not? Is God not big enough? Amen. Now, I'm not telling you what I got on right now is $100, okay? I'm just saying I'm not afraid to, you know, if I wanted to. Listen, keep money, keep possessions in the right place as servants, as tools. Keep your heart pressing in. Everybody say, seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Then all the things that you need in life, they'll come to you. You won't be looking for them. You'll be blessed without even having to do anything about them. They'll just come to you. You'll be, I know I've seen it in my own life. So as we close, I want to encourage you, be generous. Allow God to use you to accomplish his plans on the earth, to reach people, to help people, to bless people, as I said earlier. Be an excellent, everybody say excellent. Be an excellent steward of all that the Lord places in your hands. Give him room to speak in your life. Ask him, don't just give Ask him, is this what you want me to give? What do you want? Open the door. Sometimes the Lord doesn't tell me anything. He'll just, I'll just kind of hear, do whatever you want, son. Other times he'll be very specific and say, do this. But the fa- and sometimes I've heard, I don't care if you give to that or not. It's up to you. Do whatever you want to do. You know, sometimes I think that people, the reason they don't ask the Lord a lot of things is because they're afraid you know, of the answer. And I don't think we should be. How many know the Lord has our best interest at heart? So no matter what he tells us, it's for our benefit. It's to help us. Let's look at one last scripture. I told you to stay there. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. This is the word of God to you and I, okay? Command those who are rich in this present age. Say, I'm rich. Now say it like you mean it this time. Say, I'm rich. Are you rich in Jesus? Amen? Didn't Jesus become poor so that we might be rich? So you are rich. Whether you realize, you say, I don't have a million dollars. Who said rich and a million dollars were the same thing? Say, I am abundantly supplied for. 
That's rich, guys. That's rich. Now, look what it says. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. In other words, not to be full of pride. Nor to trust in uncertain riches, in money, in other words, but in the living God. Who are we to put our trust in? The living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. To enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. So should I enjoy the TV that I got blessed that I was able to buy? Right? I, there's things I should be able to get so I can enjoy life. I mean, how many know a car with air conditioning is necessary in Oklahoma? Good air conditioning. You know what I'm saying? I've had the car with the 250, you know, roll the windows down, go 50. That doesn't work around here. It's just hot air blowing on you, you know? The fact is, is that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Does God want us to enjoy things? He wants us to enjoy things. Look here. All things to enjoy. Verse 18. Let them do good. Talking to us. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. God wants to us to enjoy this life right now, abundantly supplied, and the great thing is, as we honor Him with our finances, as we give, as we're willing to share, as we're a blessing, that's actually impacting eternal life.